Hello, hello. This is Interneted. I'm Michael Bird. And I'm Rob Murgatroyd. And welcome to our show about tech, gadgets and the internet by a couple of likes who are always being asked how to fix most of it. Isn't that right, Rob? So true. And on the show, we'll be sharing our technology and keeping you informed with all the latest tech news and updates from around the internet. We'll also be opening a brand new case of the Agony Uncles Detective Agency, mm. solving your tech woes. And finally, we'll be heading over to the Museum of Retro Tech. Oh. You know, we love it. Where we'll be taking a look at some of the biggest moments in gadget history. So buckle up, sit back, relax and enjoy the show from two blokes in our actual spare bedrooms. This is interneted. Okay then, well to start the show it's time for our weekly tech roundup. Each week we'll both bring the most interesting bits of news from around the world, sifting through the motorised suitcases, Segway <laughs> chairs and smart baby changing stations. What's a Segway yeah, chair? Real, once again. What's a Segway chair? Segway chair. So I, th- I looked this up earlier. Imagine, yeah. like, you know the film Wally, right? Where all the humans are in <laughs> yeah. pods that just float around. It's that. It's literally just that. It's a chair on wheels where you never have to stand up ever again and use your feet. I'm in. I'm in. It's the future. Uh, all right. Shall I go first? Yeah. Well, what, what's happened in the world this week? Okay. So, you know how uh, every episode so far I have bought something from the mind of Mr. Elon Musk? Uh, He's always doing stuff, isn't he? So, well, yeah, what's he, what's he doing? This week is no different. Okay, so have you heard of Starlink? Have you heard of Starlink? Haven't. What, what is it? Okay, so Starlink is uh, Elon Musk's uh, global satellite internet. Uh, so his big plan is to cover the whole sky in Starlink satellites and to be able to cover, to be able to cover the whole planet in, um, uh, with, with uh, network internet coverage using a satellite dish so this is like he's launched he launched some satellites recently i think there are he's launched about 900 satellites so far and they're like really really small i don't know how big but mm-hmm. very small and um what he has opened this week or what spacex has opened this week is the public beta for starlink so anyone in the world any any people yeah. listening uh you can go onto the spacex or starlink website and you can sign up for um uh, the starlink beta kit so you what pay is it? What, what's the point of it what do you do so what, you, what we get with it is you get um internet you get internet connectivity so if you've got i mean if you're living in a you know a city you'll be fine you know, most most big cities you've got good internet but if you're quite rural this might be yeah. something that's quite interesting so you pay 500 dollars, and what you get with it is a little satellite dish a little motorized satellite dish uh, not too dissimilar to like a sky dish or whatever that you put on your roof and it um and you pay 99 pounds a month and you get unlimited data and you get uh, between 50 and 150 megabits per second which is pretty impressive yeah it's not too bad from a satellite yeah exactly because considering in the uk if you're um if you're on the open reach network so you're not a virgin customer uh, you can you tend to get between i don't know like 30 and 100 meg there's yeah. different, the, you know, the main like fiber options that, that most people can get. Yeah, that's pretty standard. Yeah, yeah. So you can get this using a satellite dish. Uh, now the downside to using a satellite dish is latency. And mm. what is latency? I hear you cry. Uh, <laughs> latency is the time it takes from when you click your mouse on a website to when the website then reacts and you get the thing back. So um, 
most latency that you can expect on uh like that most people get is between five and ten milliseconds so we're talking milliseconds here it's, um, so it's barely noticeable like you wouldn't right, notice it and like most of you probably would have done that when I mean, you know you click on something and it, it you know, the page comes straight away yeah now the problem with Starlink is that you're sending that request into the uh, into actual space and then back to a like a ground station, and then yeah. and then it fulfills your request. So the moment, um, I think it's between twenty and forty milliseconds of latency, which for most people, I mean that's not. I mean it's less Probably than a still second. not massively noticeable. No, is it? it's like it's still within the realms of. Unless you're super geeky and you're yeah. monitoring this thing, you wouldn't really notice. If it. you're like a gamer or something, like that's probably when you would, you would like really yeah. notice it. Um, but they, they're apparently. But on the other hand, yes, you've also got the bragging rights to say that you've got space Wi-Fi. I mean, like, that may be a little bit slower. But I'm literally beaming this from space. Isn't so that, that just that like that is super cool? Because because cool. satellite internet exists at the moment, um, but. From what I understand, it's really, really expensive, and the latency is even worse because what Starlink have done is the satellites are being brought closer. Um, so, okay. and there, and there's like a they're they're going to improve the latency because they're going to have satellites at different um, altitudes. So mm. they're going to have ones that are nearer. But obviously, the nearer you are, or well not obviously, but the nearer you are, the less coverage you get because the less kind of spe- the less Earth that they can see from the satellite. Because of the angles, yeah. Because the angles. I mean, I'm not a rocket scientist, so I can't fully explain it. But <laughs> trust me on it; that's what I read. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, it's in public beta, and it's pretty cool. I think but it is something you can sign up for now. So it is, can, it's real. It's not. It's like not. A, it's a not vaporware. It is, this is real. It is real. Yeah. Um, I think I read that somewhere that Elon Musk has about half of all the satellites currently orbiting <laughs> Earth. He owns half of them. That doesn't which surprise is mental. me. That and it all it me. sounds terrifying it's like the i think it's the plot of is it die another day <laughs> from james bond where they've got a big satellite in the sky that can like shoot laser beams down i'm sure he's not going to do that but well they have they have talked about satellites with laser laser communication so well, well maybe not far off and it will be a constellation it will cover the whole planet with these satellites now um two things just to, to finish off right so firstly um uh i think the possibilities are absolutely fascinating with mm. what you can because i mean you think about it right the technology where it is today today the satellite just has to be static fair enough um but you could in theory I, I think they lock it down but you could in theory take on holiday with you couldn't you if it was small <laughs> enough yeah. you could chuck it in a suitcase and rock up somewhere and you've got you know you've got really fast global global wi-fi wherever you go you've got global that, internet yeah, as long as you cool. can see the sky think about rural communities where mm. they are, i think there are some communities probably in the uk where they probably just about get you know maybe one one or two megabits per second maybe yep. even dial up um and all you have to do is buy a relatively inexpensive i mean it's still a lot of money but relatively inexpensive dish and you've got like uh, incredibly fast you could be doing video calls you can yeah. do you know you could run a business now from i wonder i wonder if you could like if they will develop in the future to make like a community version of it so yeah a rural community could all chip in together and get this satellite which is like a central hub and yeah. then they can beam each of that into the separate homes in the community exactly that, be really cool so i i just think um it's absolutely fascinating now they aren't the only yeah. company doing it there are there is a british company doing it from what i said from what i read and there is another american company doing it okay and that means there's gonna be but quite tesla. a lot of Tesla, yeah, uh, SpaceX, SpaceX. Um, but sorry to correct you there, SpaceX, get it right. Um, sorry, jeez. But uh, yeah, it's that means there's gonna be a lot of satellites in the sky, which means 
there's potential for collision and there is this whole yeah. thing i mean I'm sure, i think you've seen gravity haven't you where oh, yeah. the this the, a spaceship collides space debris space debris so that is going to be a big problem space debris because there's this whole thing of if one satellite collides with another it will just keep going round and round and this 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 debris will keep going round and round and knocking out other satellites and knocking out other satellites yeah. and then what they're essentially saying is if it's not managed properly, we won't be able to launch rockets into space and we won't be able to have satellite internet because all the satellites, it will just be debris in the sky. So this is, this is seriously like future problems though, isn't it? This is so weird to be talking about. Future us worry about. Can you imagine being on a Zoom call at work and be like, sorry, I've just, my my internet's dropped out. My satellite's just been hit. (laughs) What what are you talking about? (laughs) I mean, let's give it five years. That'll be a conversation we'll be having. Okay. So that, that is enough time to talk about Starlink. So sorry about that. that. That's that's probably the biggest and coolest news story this week. That is very cool. Um, Something I've seen, is actually a follow up to what we talked about last week with the Google Stadia. Yes, yes. The, so like last the week online we saw that Google Stadia was shutting down their yeah the virtual gaming thing, the virtual game the the game streaming service from game Google. Service, yeah. They they so yeah they announced they were shutting down their um, first party development studios, but this week they've announced that they're still planning to release a hundred games this year for the platform. So it's it's not dead. They are still committed to keeping it going and making sure it runs properly and that people can still stream games anywhere and still have the cool the cool service that it is but yeah they just they won't be producing first party games for it but they're still working with all the big developers you know a lot of the big uh, upcoming games that are set to be launched this year they'll still be coming to stadia so if you do use it at the moment you you know you're not wasting your time you're not wasting your money it will still be continued to be supported but um yeah so i think that's a, it's a positive sign for game streaming it's not going anywhere. It's still still kicking, but they're they're not not games that they're creating themselves. It's, no, it's but other people's games. As so, I, as I mentioned last week, I'm not sure how good a quality those games would have been anyway. You know, it may not be a massive loss. You know, who knows what Google Google Games would have looked like. Huh. Um, but you know, th- third party games are the things that people most of the time will be playing. Uh, yeah. you know, they're the most popular ones that everyone sees on the internet and that all their friends will be playing. And if you want to get involved in those, you'll have to play those on stadia okay uh i've got a tiny little story but something people might find important uh apple have logged a patent application for cables that don't fray so easily yeah that's right you know they're you know they're annoying white cables that go a horrible shade of yellow and then they fray and then crack and then the wire comes out don't they yeah and then you kind of have to like tape it up with some electrical tape and then that comes off and then it's like basically all of the shielding comes off and it's just these you know, like a few little wires holding it together it's quite scary you... and it'll only charge your phone unless you hold it at like a certain angle yeah exactly 40 that. degrees room temperature or whatever it is so really, yeah. really niche yeah it seems like apple may have figured this out so they are patenting uh, a cable so that the cables don't fray so easily um so they'll be replacing the strain relief s- sleeve that horrible bit that i think is the, the bit that seems seems to break and they oh, yes. they're filing uh, an application for a cable with variable stiffness, so hopefully it'll be a little bit more supportive. Because at the moment I it's mean, like this really thick bit at the end, and then a really floppy cable, and the cable just works its way. It's out always going to be a it? bit loose. Yeah, I, is it a problem? I can't say if I've ever had this problem with any other phone manufacturer. I don't understand why Apple doesn't just spend a bit more money rather than coming up with this new technology. Just make the cable a bit thicker. Yeah, and a bit longer, please, as well. It's just nowhere near long enough those cables. Okay, or so just include it in the box with their new <laughs> iPhones. No, they are including the cables. They're including the cables. Oh, they including the cable, just, just not, the not, the, not the charging block. Uh, okay, that was so. That's my mini story. You got another story? 
Yes, so um, I guess slightly touching on what we talked about last week, I mentioned that Lara Croft on the PS2 uh, was, an, was an interesting look. But this, this <laughs> week we've got an updated version of what the future of computer game graphics will look like. Um, so Epic, uh, a computer games development company, they have worked on the new Unreal Engine and they've come up with something called the MetaHuman. Oh, yeah. Sounds very space age. I saw that um, this week and the the videos are incredible they're mind-blowing if you haven't seen them i'd fully recommend going to youtube and checking what checking them out meta human from unreal engine they are insane they they look like you know in, in proper hollywood films when they've got cgi and they look realistic you yeah know, their, their cgi is proper top notch that's almost pretty much the level that we'll be getting fairly soon in yeah. video games with the level of cgi and graphics it's utterly ridiculous I um, what what's really cool in the videos is you see them like tweaking all the various facial characteristics and it's like yeah. you know like moving their jawline up by like a millimeter and like oh, it just it, it's, it's just incredible. So yeah, it's fully customizable. There's the uh, the program that they're touting. It can actually be run on a um, on web browsers. So it's it's run on like servers on the, in the cloud and you can access this thing at some point in the future and you'll be able to tweak it and available for lots of people um but they're also saying that it's fully integrated into motion capture studios huh. so in the future for you know video game performances as it were the actors the voice actors the people who are starring in the video games will be able to do their motion capture and then they'll be able to overlay these meta human um meta human graphics on top of it and it will look ultra realistic which i think is really really cool and it's promising for the future i am just i think like we've all played games from like the you know the early the, the mid 90s and the early 2000s and like yep. seeing the what like the progress you can see today is incredible but oh my goodness watching that video absolutely blew me away it is mind-blowing and, and, and it's also bit, mind-blowing a little bit scary that in 10 years time we'll look back at this video and go oh look how awful that looks but <laughs> yeah for now i am i'm just blown away by it um okay uh so <laughs> i've got another story this is the biggest one of the, <laughs> the week. It's not. We're not. We're not scraping the barrel. It gets. It, they, the stories get worse after this. Uh, okay, VLC. So VLC is the. I think it stands for Video Land, doesn't it? Video Land something. It is the um, the video player that whenever I get a new computer, I install it straight away. I because it's has lot. It's more compatible than like QuickTime or it's great, yeah. Windows Media Player. It's it's, it's the, probably on your work computer. It's the little orange cone one. Little traffic cone plays videos. Yeah. So I've been around for a while. They are releasing three cool things. So firstly is they're doing a new user interface to make it look uh, like it was made in the 2000s. At the moment, it's a bit bit 90s. A bit, um, it is. A bit retro. A bit re- retro. Yeah, that's what we call it. Uh, so they're releasing a new um, visual interface, which is cool. Uh, they're doing a web-based player, which is pretty cool. That's and, and they're looking at doing uh, creating this thing called Moviepedia, which is where... Um, yeah, basically it's like an imdb style database a film database where mm. anyone can go in and add metadata for films and i'm assuming tv shows as well which is quite cool because so would that work while you're playing a video or something it would pop up yeah i see a film it would, you'd see who's in it and all that sort of stuff so it makes me think that maybe moving this towards some sort of like media center type um type player because you can go, yeah. already get vlc on um like ipad and um i'm sure android devices as well yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's quite cool. Uh, so, yeah, they are looking... I think they're going to be releasing the new updates. It's version 4, and then version 3 point something. Ooh. New update very soon. So for all you VLC media player fanboys <laughs> out there, it's a good day to it's, be. <laughs> hey, 
Big news. Big news in the VLC house. Big, big news. All well, right. I mean, this this next one doesn't quite compete with that. but um, <laughs> No. So in Australia, Google has been having a bit of an argy-bargy, let's call it, a legal argy-bargy yeah. with the Australian government. And they are actually threatening to take away the Google homepage from Australian internet service. Whoa. Is, um, it's a bold move of them. And actually, Facebook is, is threatening to do something similar. So it's all to do with um, news. Uh, the, the Australian government is essentially forcing or requiring Google and Facebook to pay Australian publishers for news content. And Google and Facebook are, are saying, no, we don't want to. And yeah, so Google is saying, if you're going to make us do that, we're going to get rid of our Google homepage, which, uh, ac- according to this article I'm looking at, runs 90% of the internet searches in Australia. So wow. can you imagine the, the turmoil that would be caused in Australia if Google decided to turn it off one day? I don't know. I think it would be uh, an interesting experiment. We've all dealt with an interesting global experiment and we seem to survive all right i think it'd be quite funny to see not funny but interesting to see what would happen if i mean it'd google be good for went. us as the rest of the world but i know yeah. oh, i know that you personally you don't use google do you, you use alternative i sources. i try and avoid using google i try and use like ecosia or DuckDuckGo, like diff- different search engines um yeah i yeah i don't know i i think i think there's something to be said about um the biggest player in the room not always you know having a bit of disruption i think sometimes it's good to have a bit of competition a bit of healthy competition um google of google are by far the biggest search engine um, but what, what do you think what do you think people would do what do you think everyone would go right google's gone where am i going next do you think they go to bing well, i guess it depends what happens because i think 99 percent of people will not realize that that's what's happened so they'll still go to google.au and i don't know mm. where it depends where it sends them if it sends them to, it'll probably send them to a search page somewhere, maybe a stripped back search page. Um, yeah. Or if not, if it sends them to a 404 page, which I highly doubt, you know, a, a, like a page cannot be found page, which I highly yeah. doubt. Some, there'll be, you know, news reports and there'll be some alternatives that'll go out on the news. Probably there'll be some big, cu- you know, Microsoft probably run some ads for Bing on Australian yeah, TV. They would, they'd be all over it, wouldn't they? Yeah, it'd be a great opportunity, Absolutely. wouldn't it? So Finally yeah, I, I think it'd Bing. be, I think it'd be a fascinating experiment to see what would happen um because yeah I, like the thing is right so nobody really that's not really a fair thing to say but not many people i know use bing but actually as a search engine when i the times i have used it it's been very like content rich like they 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 mm. they work really hard for their searches whereas they do. google is quite it hasn't really changed much in the last I don't know, 10 but 15 I think, years so i think that's why people don't really want it to change do, do they no, they, well, they know what not. they get from google they know what they can expect when they search so i think people are just yeah. So ingrained. I mean, most people still think that Google is the internet. So, you know, it's yeah. going to be hard to steer away from that. This is very true. So I think that'll be a fasc- fascinating to see if that does actually happen. If it happens. I doubt it will. I doubt, I, it, I will, doubt it will. I doubt still it. an interesting idea. All right. Last, Anything else last this week? I, hey, I got one more super exciting bit. Um, hold your horses. Okay. Microsoft Word is introducing proper dark mode. Oh, wow. <sighs> yeah. Ooh. So for all those coders who use Microsoft Word... <laughs> Uh, they're now doing proper dark mode. I mean, I prefer dark mode on, on all of my... Um, dark mode is the future. It absolutely is the future. I know a lot of people think it's, oh, it's just for, for nerdy guys that don't like having a, <laughs> a nice colourful screen. No, it, dark mode is, first of all, it's better for your eyes. That is it, yeah. It is, that's it. It's better for your eyes. And also, if you've got an OLED TV, dark mode or an OLED phone screen or whatever, dark mode will save you battery because it will the pixels do. will just be off. It saves you power. Uh, exactly. So dark mode, it's like proper dark mode. So... 
you, you know at the moment like um you may know the moment if you have dark mode on on in the office suite like all the toolbars and all the menus are dark but the page is still white mm. the new dark mode if you put it on it makes even the, the the page goes white and then it figures out which colors it needs to invert and it inverts those and the ones that are bright enough that's it clever. keeps them as they are um so that's really cool and uh that's is that, that is that what is that out now that i uh, yes I'm, I'm just gonna say yeah. yes yes it's out now right in lovely. all good that's very exciting well, we're gonna go make that change as soon as i can yeah <laughs> okay well good <laughs> and that i'm pretty sure is all the news we have for this we, week we promised you that would be the biggest news of the week and we've had some big hitters in this <laughs> big 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 hitters uh all right okay well that's pretty much it for our tech roundup we're gonna be back with part two of interneted right after this so uh welcome back to interneted a show about tech gadgets and the internet and it's now time for the part of the show where we take a brief trip to the Agony Uncle's Detective Agency. Yes, we are the Agony Uncles, and this is our detective agency solving crimes against tech since sending text messages cost 30 pence. Do you remember oh, that? What t- I do remember that. That was a time we had to press the same key about four times to get the letter <laughs> F. Yes. God, I miss those days. Yeah, oh, me too. Me too. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're back once again. This week, we are going to open our doors again to solve another tech mishap. Um, so we've got a new cold case standing by. So, Michael, what is, what's happening? Who's, who have we got? Well, I just want to say that we set this agency up because we're both those people who always get asked how to fix stuff. And I also want to are. say our my standard line, which is tough work, but somebody has to do it. Um, but you want to know the about sacrifices we make. <laughs> exactly. You want to know what the case is today. Let me tell you. I really do. The case comes from Aiden in Bristol and it's all about making the most of your current device. So here is Aiden. Hi, Agony Uncles. I'm trying to be sustainable and not replace my smartphone unnecessarily. I've had it for a couple of years now. However, steadily the operating systems are getting bigger and bigger and it means that I have limited space for any apps that don't work uh, on a memory card. Any ideas? Please help. Okay. So I guess that's like a summary. So Aiden wants to be sustainable, not keep replacing his smartphone because he's running out of space. So what can he do? I mean, it's a very noble, very noble question. A lot very of people question. don't even consider this, do they? When they're getting a new phone, they just chuck it away and get a new one. But that's a, that's a very good thing to be thinking about, Aiden. So I did a bit of research, and uh, did you know e-waste is a big thing, big big deal? So uh, globally, we create 50 million tons of e-waste per year, uh, and only 20% of that is recycled. And the e-waste that's generated is greater, it's greater weight than all commercial airliners ever made. So that that's, is that, that's that much waste every single year. Yeah. Okay, so I think there are kind of two things we can look at. So I guess the first one okay. is keep using your existing phone. And the second mm. one is get a different phone or get a new phone, but be a bit more, be a bit more um, I don't know, like 
think about the kind of phone you're going to get, not just about the features, yeah. but about like the sustainability elements of it. Yeah, so I think the most the most sustainable thing you can probably do is to maintain your current smartphone. Right? Yeah. It's not to chuck it away and get a new one, it's to make, use what you've got as much as you possibly can. Um, and I think it depends on the different devices that you've got, obviously. It depends when you bought your phone, but most phone manufacturers will support your phone uh, at least between three to six years. I think, Michael, you probably know the stats for Apple, but yeah. what are they? Uh, so Apple basically say that they'll support a device for seven years from for when it comes seven out. Years. And, and sometimes they'll be supported a bit longer, but I think they, they generally say that's how long they'll support it for. And by that, they mean they'll keep updating the operating system. It doesn't mean it will just stop working. Um, yeah. It just means that it will yeah. won't get the, the updates. I think it, for Android, it is slightly shorter. I think the, the most common figure is three years for Android phones. They'll okay. say, you know, we'll guarantee it will be updated for at least three years. A lot of them, you know, my phone, I think I've had it for over three years now. It still gets updates, but they will just, they won't guarantee that you'll get them. So, yeah, yeah. most most phones should last several, several years. Um, so, the, yeah, if you can, make sure you try and use your phone for as long as possible. But so if you're running out of space, what, what can you do? Okay, so I, I, I reckon two, maybe, yeah, two or two main things that you can do. So the first one I think is, um, and this, this is like zero effort, you don't have to do anything, but start using web apps. So, for example, um, if you're a Facebook user, if you're a Reddit user, mm -hmm. um, you can use a web app, which is through your web browser. You can just go onto the website and log in through that and then maybe even bookmark it. And mm -hmm. on an iPhone, um, you can actually create bookmarks that look like apps on your home screen which is quite cool and it'll just open it up in the That's web cool. browser um now that works really well for for things like social networks and um new sites and things like that but if you mm. want to use anything more advanced like your camera or your gyroscope or, or any other kind of um or even location like any functions like that it tends to either not work or not fully work um right but the advantage is that if you use it through a web app sometimes the apps aren't as easy, as able to track you through the app so if you don't like oh, that's true ads. yeah from a security perspective so i guess if your if your phone is really really full it's you know it's it's giving you messages every day saying you can't install yeah. anything else because you're, you're too full you could uh, you want to make sure that you've logged into these web apps and you've got them saved first before you start uninstalling the other apps which yeah. might have all the which might take up all the space but yeah that's a that's a great alternative um i think something else is again along the lines of clearing up space um, is you can use often phones I think almost every phone will have a, a, a functionality to clear space it depends what the, the name of the actual app is called but yeah. I know for Android it's got a built in feature called clear storage and it will literally go through your files your phone's internal memory and it will clear out all of that redundant miss unused uh, data that you've just got stored in the background that you know maybe you've got seven different or seven duplicates of the same download it will go through those and it'll make sure it gets rid of anything that you haven't used in a certain amount of time so that that's really useful I, I guess again on iphone they must have something similar yeah on iphone so i guess two things that i would suggest so icloud photos so if you if you have icloud you can um and you've bought enough storage Apple will automatically clear off photos that you're not using and it will intelligently figure out how much space you've got. And it basically will just store a really low quality, very small thumbnail. So you, it looks like the photos are there, but it will download it 
as 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 a kind of on demand. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's that's something similar to the the Android version, which is Google Photos. Yeah. They they guarantee that as long as you store it at a certain resolution, you can upload an un, un, unlimited amount of oh, that's pretty cool. photos to that. So that's cool. The other, the other thing is um, there's a function called offloading you uh, unused apps or app offloading. Uh, it's a function in the settings panel on on iOS on iPhones, and it basically aggress and I say aggressively, it's very aggressive. <laughs> aggressively <laughs> deletes apps you haven't used for a while. Like it's almost like you close the app. And two days later, it's been it's been uninstalled. <laughs> now, obviously, the disadvantage of all of these, both both on Android and iPhone, is you need an internet connection to be able to get the things that you want to yeah. access. So, if, if this is stuff that you're going to be using offline, or you're not likely to have a good internet connection, none these probably won't work for you. You need to have a reliable internet connection to be able to do all of this. That's true. Because you're essentially putting true. all of that stuff up in the cloud. Um, the other disadvantage of an older phone is that apps will run slower on older processors um, and mm. newer apps are trying to take advantage of the much faster processors and sometimes like various features and functionalities that new phones have got, you know, bigger screens and other bits and bobs. Um, yeah, that, that's true. And I think a lot of apps nowadays, they will only support a certain um, version of the operating system for so long so okay, they will get yeah. to a point probably with some of the bigger apps where they'll lock you out of being able to use that app entirely if your phone is a certain age if you haven't got the right software on it so yeah so that's some of the disadvantages but those are probably your your main options if you want to make the most of your current device um i think i'd probably say if you want longevity ios probably is the is the platform because they tend to I would say that uh, they tend to support their phones for a little bit longer. Um, they have because there aren't that many different models. Um, there's slightly probably better support from third-party app developers. Um, so on balance, yeah, that that's, might that's be slightly better. But um, that is true. But again, I guess Android phones are, you can get them typically cheaper. So can get them cheaper. But if you spend more money on them, they can be equally as good uh, quality and are still supported for a decent amount of time. And I think with the Android community, there's a lot you can do, even if your uh, developer or your manufacturer doesn't support your your phone anymore. The community around that can also help out, and there will be patches that they produce as yeah. well. So there's there's this there's advantages and disadvantages to both systems. Because that's probably that you know where we it's stand. a walled garden, isn't it? So yeah. um, okay. So then the other option is get a new phone. Okay, so you've got to spend some money on a new phone. How can you buy a new phone in a way that means that you're not going to be replacing it every twelve months? Um, and it's going to be a sustainable option. Uh, so the, the biggest thing is it's in the outset, isn't it? You want to yeah. make sure you plan that in from the beginning. You don't want to buy a phone and then two years time think, oh, I want to be a bit more sustainable. I don't want to replace this every time. It's probably too late at that point. Yeah. You know, you want to make sure you do your research into what phones are available out there. What's the what's the most up to date one? First of all, you want to make sure you're getting the latest model. So as you said, it will be supported for longer with those software updates. Um but also things like the the internal storage. Um, a lot of phones nowadays, they don't have expandable storage. So you want to make sure that when you're buying your phone, you get the biggest capacity model that you can afford. And often the difference is uh, 50, 100 pounds between the, the I don't know, 64 gigabyte and the 128 gigabyte. Yeah. It's almost always worth going up to that extra storage Absolutely. capacity. Unless you've got a really good cloud storage solution, it's almost always worth it to get that high capacity, I think. But I always think, you're looking you're trying to like look into the future so five years time you have no idea how big apps are going to need to be um to it's be true. able to do what what it is because like when i bought my first iphone i think it was eight gig 
that is just unthinkable on current <laughs> phones. You just wouldn't be able to run. You wouldn't be able to just let alone take photos or videos. You just wouldn't be able to run all the the apps mm. that most people are using because they're so much. That they're they're so they're quite. You know, apps are getting bigger and bigger in terms of in terms of size. Sorry. So um, yeah, I, I would echo exactly what you're saying. I would buy the biggest device in terms of capacity that you can afford. Yeah. And if you can't afford it, I would save up for it to try and get the biggest capacity because, again, you're going to be holding onto this device for a long time. It's basically the device, a device that you'll be using more than any other device. So you want to yep. want to make sure it's something that you're you're happy with. Um, I would um, I would also talk about maybe getting something that's secondhand. So I mm. haven't bought a new phone, brand new phone, for probably about ten years. Um, that's impressive. Thank you. Because uh, what I like to try and do is I like to um, try and buy a secondhand iPhone. Um, as you can tell, I'm an iPhone kind of person. And no. iPhones, yeah. the great thing about iPhones is you kind of know what you're going to get. They're, they're pretty much like, there's no moving parts in them. So there's nothing that nothing really wears down or, you know, doesn't need servicing or anything like that. So yeah. if you get, and you know when the phone came out because of the model. So if you get an iPhone 10, for example, you know that it came out, I think it's 2017, I think it came out. Mm. Um, so you know how old that phone is and... You know yeah. how long you've got left with the support of the exactly the exactly. Um, so yeah. I I tend to try and go for like the latest generation of phones. So like the iPhone 10 was a generation jump for Apple, and so all the current phones look a little bit like the iPhone 10, mm. except for the new one, the iPhone 11, 12. I think 12, whatever whatever the newest one that came out has a slight. It looks slightly different. So I imagine that's going to be the the new generation. It's got the lidar sensor and all that stuff. So that's that would be my thoughts in terms of that. And you obviously can get it much cheaper as well. Um, you can, yeah. So I, 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 again, from the Android point of view, secondhand is equally as viable. Um, something to, to bear in mind when you're getting a new phone, if you're looking for secondhand, um, obviously, as you said, you want to make sure you're getting one that's the hopefully the most up to date one. But also with Android, you want to look for ones if storage is going to be a big uh, thing for you. Is look for phones that still have SD card support. Yeah. With a lot of Android phones, you can slot in um, an SD card. You know, that's up to an extra terabyte of storage which you won't necessarily want to use for your apps um but for things like photos it's yeah. absolutely fantastic you you can automatically get them to every time you take a photo or store it on the sd card so you're not using up that internal storage and if you've got that your yeah your storage will probably last you forever you won't you won't need to update it very re- very often and uh, i guess finally if you want to be really sustainable and you're buying a new phone or even if you're getting a secondhand phone there's a website called i fix it um like i lowercase i fix it um and you can basically go on that website type in the model or it doesn't just work for phones it works for pretty much anything and they Mm. will have done what's called a teardown they'll open up the device and see how easy it is to fix um now even if you're not wanting to fix the device you get a sense of how it's built and how easy it would be for somebody to recycle it um so a lot of modern electronics is made with a lot of glue which is really bad because you can't really recycle the glue it makes it really hard to peel Mm. components apart and take it apart yeah basically yeah um so and they usually give an iFixit rating uh so iFixit is a really good place to go just to kind of sanity check whatever it is you're buying even if it is a Mm. brand new iphone they usually do a teardown like a week after the iphone hits stores because like they basically that's just that's what what they they do do, isn't it yeah that's a good shout and i think finally so if you are getting a new phone um, you just want to think about what you're doing with your old phone yeah. from a sustainability standpoint. You know, you could you could sell it, you could try and take it somewhere to recycle it, 
or equally you could still keep it so uh, my girlfriend Becky uh, she got a, a new iPhone fairly recently but she keeps her old iPhone and takes it out on runs with her so she uses it essentially like an old mp3 player she stores all her music on that takes it around with her so she doesn't have to take her new iPhone with her and risk dropping it it's great, when she's yeah. going out for a run but um, yeah so you can you can use your old technology in, in new ways there are also companies that um, build apps specifically for old devices to repurpose the the devices for other things because like there's perfectly perfectly good cameras and perfectly good storage mm. on them so um, I know there's no one company that allows you to repurpose devices for security cameras um, so you know there's like most iPhones have got Wi-Fi on them, so it'll work as like a home security system. Um, and uh, if you've got an old iPad, I know we're not talking about iPads, but an old iPad, Apple will allow you to use older iPads for their um, home automation system. Um, so cool. they support like much older operating systems. So that's quite cool as well. Worth saying actually for Apple, um, they'll do a trade-in credit for if you, if you recycle an old device. I think you can pretty much okay. recycle any, any old iPhone and they'll give you a credit to be able to buy a new phone. And they are starting to specialise in recycling their own devices, which is pretty cool. But yeah, that's really good. Don't throw it in the bin. Make sure you recycle it. And yeah, um, yeah, that's that's absolutely. Don't don't just keep it in a drawer. You know, make make sure you recycle it, sell it, or or use it again if you can. So hopefully that has covered Aiden's question. I, th- I think we've covered quite a lot there. I think we've covered quite a lot. I think we've done an all right job, haven't we? Is that all right? That's do you, do you that's think the that I always go for <laughs> satisfactory? So do you think do you think that is case closed? I would say so. All right. Case closed. It is now time for some retro tech. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the magnificent museum of retro tech. A totally not made up museum where we preserve the greatest gadgets and tech marvels for generations to come. Oh, we love this place, don't we, Michael? We it's, do. Uh, it's quite a museum. It's it, only got two items in it at the moment. But hey, it's it's growing rapidly. Two items is better than no items. Is that well-known <laughs> phrase? Well-known <laughs> phrase that they all say. So each week, one of us will come to the Museum of Retro Tech and we'll be trying to submit uh, an item to be well added to the collection uh, but we'll only be able to ask what we'll only be able to add one piece of tech at a time so we'll bring two but only one gets in so uh each week the museum is in a different location um which rob you that's your job to arrange um so where is the museum this week so the museum is in the it's called the thin house in kensington which i don't know if you've heard of it but <laughs> it is a very unusual house um and it is literally very thin. It just looks like a, I don't know, it looks like a quarter of a house, the very front of the house, and then the rest of it doesn't exist behind there. So it's, it's, very, it's very odd. It's a very thin house in Kensington. So it's, it's going to be a squeeze, it's quite a tight squeeze. Um, so this week, Rob, you're bringing our two potential submissions. And as curator, uh, I have absolute authority as to what makes in out of those two of items. I can only Literally. pick one of them. I don't make the rules. Um, uh, that, you know, these are the rules of the... It is what it is. It is what it is. We just have to make do with I'll it. I'll fight my corner. So You've I've got two brilliant items, I think, and slightly different from what we've brought before. Hey, before so we... Bef- the oh no, first one... Hang on, before I you bring them in. No, before you bring them in, you need to come into my office. Oh, thank you. Where so are we? Where, come where's in. your office? Well, it's on, the top, it's on the top floor, as always. Top floor. <laughs> but it is quite a tight squeeze yeah. because... You Should I take a seat or is there not, not really much room in here? We take a seat, but the seats are next to each other like we're sat on a bus. 
because it is the <laughs> thin house in Kensington. Uh, so, but it is a lovely, it's a um, lovely wing back chair, and our knees oh. are our knees are brushing against the bookcase in front of. I don't know why we put a bookcase in it because it's such a thin room. But anyway, <laughs> knees are brushing against the bookcase, and um, uh, yeah, so we're kind of looking straight on, but occasionally we're able to look across the room at each other. Um, so it's very cozy. We're, we're pretty intimate in here. Today. It's cozy, bordering on claustrophobic, I think. Um, well, all right, into this cozy slash claustrophobic environment, <laughs> I'd like to bring my two pieces of retro tech. Okay, we'll go for, go for your first item. What have you got? My first one is called the Sony Abo. I don't know if you remember it, but here it is. I'll put it down on the table. And for anyone that can't see it, it is the robot dog, the original robot yes. dog, which um, was released in 1999. Yes. Wow, 1999. And that I might- know, it's older than you think. Who, it's almost as old as me. Who made who made the who made that Abo? Ibo. The Sony, was it Abo? Ibo? I don't know. Whatever you want, it's, it's your dog. Uh, Sony, Sony <laughs> made it. Of course uh, so it's they the, made it. It was the original robot pet, I think it was marketed as. And you've seen it, everyone knows it. It's, it's the one that will walk around, it will sit down, it will stand up and bark and do all sorts of things. And wow. it's actually got a very, very early iteration of AI in it. Really? Um, so it will, it learns over time to recognise your voice. Wow. And it's actually got the functionality to to grow up, so it will act differently in the earlier days when you have it. It will act more like a puppy, and then the more you have it, the more you play with it, the more you talk to it, it will grow up and become a more mature dog. So wow. I think that's that's cool. It's a bit different from our previous entries into the museum, but it is very well, peak nineties technology. Yeah, I would say well ahead of their time. That that feels like something that would come out like. 2020 2021 like, 1999 cool. so yeah that is my first piece of retro tech okay that's a sony ibo uh abo uh okay so what we've got <laughs> next what's next next up we've got uh something big to me it's um the first ever commercial television that people could buy whoa and it's called the rca 630 ts that's right the ts <laughs> what, does, what does the ts stand for television special uh, there you go you nailed it right there um it's huge uh, i'm going to struggle to fit this one in the uh, the thin house in here but it is it's massive it takes up it's, it takes up is it like it's like slight it's like at an angle propped up against one of the walls because it doesn't quite fit in <laughs> it's actually just wedged in the doorway because it won't come through um but this is so imagine basically a, a chest of drawers but replace the drawers with big speakers yeah and then a tiny little screen although at the time it was a big screen so it's, a, it's got a 10 inch screen yeah in the middle of it and then flanking it are two two big sets of speakers and then some some dials at the bottom for, for changing the channel and things like that. Wow. So this is the very first one and it was launched in nineteen forty six, so just Whoa. a year after World War Two. Wow. Um and it came about because well, there were some T V channels before nineteen forty six and before the war, but after that, uh lots of broadcasting stations were set up and they dotted up all over the place so people wanted a tv receiver to be able to view that so rca produced uh produced this the 630 ts and it came out as 450 dollars at the time which in today's money is about five thousand eight hundred dollars so not a cheap thing wow Um, you'd have to be pretty committed to watching tv to buy this bad boy but um so yeah in 1947 about fifteen thousand homes had one of these TV sets and that jumped to 1.4 million in 1952. So clearly the TV bug caught on. But yeah, it's um, it's big, it's chunky, it's very retro and it's the start of TV in homes. Okay, thank you for your two submissions. Um, I'm going to now make my decision. So, uh, okay. Um, hmm. 
I think I'm going to give you my answer and then I'm going to give the reason behind it. Okay. I think um, I'm going to have to submit the RCA 630TS into the Museum of Retro Tech. I'll okay. tell you for why. Number one, the PlayStation 2 was submitted last week. We can plug that into it, I'm sure. And that would be awesome <laughs> to play uh, Need for Speed Underground 2 on the uh, RCA. On the RCA 630TS. Well, I think that would yeah. be all, like split screen. You have to sit cl- so close to it, wouldn't on you? A ten inch, on a 10-inch screen, yeah. <laughs> of course. Um, secondly, it does look so cool. It looks really it cool. retro. That is, it is cool, and it's a shame. It's a shame for the Sony Abo, you know, Ibo. Um, yeah, but I can I can understand why. You know, television is too big. I think if it. we had that, if we had that in the museum, that that would be something that would draw crowds. The RCA six thirty TS for sure. It is. So, yeah, a, I can tell you, there's a lot of enthusiasts out there on the internet. Who really are big fans of the R thirty TS. Yeah. No, RCA 630TS. Can you get the name right each time, please? That's the one. Sorry. Um, it rolls off the tongue once you get used to it. We've <laughs> said it a thousand times. Why? Well, I mean, if this was the first first TV, why isn't it just called the RCA1 or like the TV1? Well, the TV. You'd think it would be called the, the TV. TV. It's, no, you it's think they could RCA. monopolize it, but no. Because like, what, what was the 629? Like, that's that's what I'm more that interested just, in. It turned on and it just burst into flames instantly. <laughs> Maybe that was it. Maybe the, this is like the prototype that worked. It's a TV slash space heater. So that's, I think that's that's the one that I think I'm going to have to submit, the RCA 630TS. Um, okay. So welcome, so that's, welcome to the collection, the RCA 630TS. There we go. What a fantastic choice. And that's it from the Museum of Retro Tech today. And with that, it's actually time for us to end the show. Thanks for joining us in this episode of Interneted. We hope you enjoyed it. Interneted is hosted and produced and written by Michael Bird and me, Rob Murgatroyd. If you've got any suggestions or you'd like to submit your questions to the Agony Uncles, you can send us a voice message to our website, anchor.fm forward slash interneted. That's anchor.fm forward slash interneted. And we are releasing episodes every week. So to make sure you don't miss out on our next episode, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Anywhere else, Rob? Any other places? Uh, Google Play Store. I can't, I can't think. You put me on the spot. You terrified me. <laughs> Sorry. Or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm going to keep doing that. Uh, <laughs> don't forget to give us a cheeky five star rating Rob where, th- where should they still give still cheeky is where- it still cheeky yeah where should they give a cheeky five star rating go uh, Google Play Podcasts <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for tuning in and we hope to see you next week for the next episode of Interneted Interneted